Thank you for listening to the Hope City Community Church Podcast. We pray that your life will be forever changed by what you hear today. Our goal is to encourage, inspire, and challenge you to experience the real Jesus. Thanks for listening. Now let's tune in. Good morning, church. It's good to see everybody today. I'm excited. Uh, Today, uh, I feel like we are going to have uh, some breakthroughs by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm excited to teach today. Today, I'm going to land the plane on the Underdog series. It's been a quick three-week series, and uh, today I'm going to finish that series. Don't miss next week. We're going to start a series called Anchors. Uh, it's it's a series based on the promises of God that still hold today. How many of you are grateful for God's promises? Amen. Uh, before I get started, I just want to make a couple of announcements. Uh, anybody who come, came to the Unity Walk last night, just want to thank you for being there. Man, there's a spirit of community, and uh, it's so important for a community to come together and do things like last night, and I just want to celebrate that. I also want to second what JJ said about Discover Hope. Uh, If you have been attending here for a while and you say, Josh, I think it's time for me to come off the bench and get involved and serve, and my gifts are ready to use. If that's you, uh, next week in second service, during this service, down at the media center, we used to call them libraries, that's changed apparently, Uh, you can join us down there for second service and learn all about why we do what we do, hear about the vision, hear the heart behind uh, the church. And so we'd love to invite you to that. Um, I scared our entire staff to death with my title this week. Um, the, The title of my sermon is There's a Whore in the House. That ought to get tons of Facebook play. And the reason why I named my sermon that is because I did not want to soften the blow of the history of a precious lady named Rahab. And I want to talk to you today about one of the greatest, if not the greatest weapon of the enemy. That weapon is shame. And it is my goal that if you came here bound by shame, that you leave here freed by the power of the Holy Ghost. And so we're going to dig into this. I'm going to teach this story uh, based on Joshua chapter 2. And I'm going to go through the story fairly quickly. Uh, Instead of reading the whole chapter, I'm going to implore that you go read it on your own. Joshua chapter 2 and also Joshua chapter 6. And what basically happened is that Joshua has just taken over from Moses, leading the children of Israel. Moses passed away, left Joshua in charge, uh, and they were about to cross the Jordan and take Jericho. And Joshua was wise. He sent spies over to Jericho, and two spies went into Jericho uh, where they uh, were seen by some of the king's men, so they had to hide. And so they went to the house of a lady known as Rahab the harlot. Harlot is uh, another word for prostitute. And there she was hidden, or they were hidden by Rahab, uh, so that the king's henchmen could not find them, and they were able to execute the process of bringing back information to Joshua about how to attack the walls of Jericho. In this process... There's a lot of cool, like, micro stories going on there. Um, The first of which, uh, she makes a decision to do things God's way. 
And what's interesting is that she says, we have heard about the strength of your God. And, 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 and in essence, in paraphrasing, she says, I want in. I want in. And they tell her, they say, well, here's what we're going to do. This whole city is going to be destroyed, but there's something that you need to do. If you will stick a, a, a red rope out your window, when we come to destroy the city, we'll know that's your house, and we will come and get you out. We will get you and whoever's in your house out. Um, but anybody who's found outside of that home is on their own. We're only responsible for those where the rope has been applied. Well, here's the picture is they said, make sure that that rope is the color scarlet so it sticks out. Has anybody else been affected by anything by the color red in here? Has anybody received the blood of Christ in here today? And has it preserved you? Has it protected you? Has it made a difference in your family? Because see, here's the story, is that Rahab's entire family was saved because she was willing to apply the scarlet. And so the day came where the children of Israel marched around the walls of Jericho. You know the story probably. Uh, There's been songs written about it. And uh, they go and they get Rahab and her family. The Bible says, not just her, but her mother, her father, and everyone in her house, they get them out. And Joshua said, bring them back to the camp. But something happened. And Rahab stopped short and set up her tents outside of the encampment of Israel. Now, we don't have a lot of details here. But what we do have is a desire for her to do things God's way. What we do have is a picture of a woman uh, who had great failures, but had seen God's preservation. What we also see is that she stopped short of God's best because she didn't actually go into the camp. She set up her tents just outside the camp. And see, that gives us a picture of what shame comes to do. You can function in your freedom. You can sing the songs. You can uh, pay the tithe, the offering. You can do everything as a believer, but you'll stop just short of the fullness of God's goodness because you think you're not worthy. And then what the enemy does is he throws down a gauntlet for you in your life that says, if you would just X, Y, and Z, you might be worthy. And then works comes. And can I tell you, it's not of works lest any man should boast. Because if it's about works, then it was you on the cross, not Jesus. But the truth is, is Christ died to give you a fullness of hope. Today, we're going to talk about shame. You versus yourself. It's the biggest fight you'll ever face because the adversary never goes away. They sleep when you sleep. They fight when you fight. Focus when you're focused. It's the toughest adversary that you'll ever face is yourself. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, we need you now. Quicken your word by the power of uh, of the presence of God, Lord, let the, let the word not return void today. But quicken your people, step into the fullness of your goodness today, and to not let the spirit of shame affect us any further. I thank you for your word that's alive. Thank you for your scripture that changes us. 
And I give you praise in advance that not a single person will leave here without a change. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 is our first verse. It says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Then it says two things. It says, scorning its shame, he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Scorning shame. If you look up the word scorning, it means to have a great disdain. In some places it says hate, but I try not to think of Christ in those terms. So we're going to use the term that he uh, is disgusted by shame. Why? Because it's the devil's greatest tool against the children of God. You see, there are tools that prevent us from getting saved, and then there are those tools that are still effective after salvation. Shame's one of the biggest. You see, I counsel people all the time who are saved, they're living right, their past is whipping them day in and day out. And today I believe the Holy Spirit wants you to be free from that. Wants you to be free from that. So uh, today I've just got a couple of quick points for you. The first thing I want to tell you is you need to have an understanding between the difference uh, between conviction and shame. Conviction is a spurring of regret that attempts to draw us to righteousness. Shame, however, is a devaluation of oneself that leads to further insecurity. Now, we've all been convicted. It's when you know you're doing wrong and you change. That's conviction. Shame is when you're doing right and you still feel devalued by your past. Can I tell you that it's high time that you get in the word of God and see that you are valued differently? The word of God says that you are the apple of God's eye that you are chosen, that you are spoken about in heavenly places, that you are seated in righteousness in heaven. That, that, that If I could do anything for you guys today, what I would do is, is I would turn your head sideways and I'd get a picture full of the truth and I would just pour it in your ear to get you understanding that how shame tries to frame you to yourself is completely obtuse to the word of God. The scripture gives clarity that God loves us and he values us. And the only thing he has to do with our past is he uses it for his glory. He does not use it to continue to beat us. It's not the way he works. So today we're going to dig into the scripture and we're going to find some truth. Point number one, how do we deal with the shame of our past? You have to understand point number one, what brought you shame in the past can be used for God's glory. Romans 8, 28 is one of my favorite verses. And we know that in all things, some things, just the, the things of the future, all things, even the things of the past, all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Your past has great power. And how you apply it depends on who's driving. When you let the Holy Spirit drive, your past is an absolute devastation to the enemy's plan. 
And, and let me just say this. I, I went through this a little bit in first service. I'm going to go a little bit deeper in second service because I think you guys can handle this. The devil's tools build nothing. The devil has no future. So his action is only to bring destruction and devastation. Therefore, his tools build nothing. They only tear down. Well, this tool of shame, the spirit of shame, is that way. It only comes to tear down and to steal from you. And what does it look to steal? It looks to steal God's plan for your life. And so I want you to see uh, that your past can be used to shame you and to prevent you from God's best, or it can be used as a testimony. You see, what you have walked through to find victory, other people are still struggling in. And, and, and if you're willing to share your past, it's not just your breakthrough. You are blazing a trail that other people can use. And so I need you to understand that for today's teaching, your past is absolutely vital for God to use it for the right reasons. But the enemy, the enemy always perverts what God does. So when he saw God use your past as a testimony, he goes, I can use that. I will use what God is setting people free with to bind people. So shame locks us up. And it prevents us from stepping into the fullness God has for us. What does that look like? Well, we, you know, we need people serving in all aspects of the church, and then the devil comes to you when you know you're gifted, when you know you're called, when you know that you're chosen, uh, and he'll come to you and say, but wait. When they find out your past, they won't be interested. If they really knew you, they wouldn't use you. So shame ties you down again. And can I tell you, it is a lie from hell. God can use you. Can I tell you, Rahab was bound by her past, but God said, I see a future in you. I see value in you, Rahab. Point number two, shame is sent to keep us from walking in the blessings that God has for us. It's sent to keep us from walking in the blessings God has for us. Shame is the devil's best tool to keep us focused on the negative aspects of our life. You know, when you get up every day, you got to make a choice. Are you going to focus on your failures or are you going to focus on your victories? And can I tell you something? Uh, God would have you focus uh, on what he's trying to do today in the future instead of your failures of the past. And shame keeps us anchored to that past. And, and I don't know if you're like me, but you got things in your past, man, that you've failed with, that you've struggled with. And you, you may have lost a couple battles, but can I tell you, you will not lose the war. There is victory in store for God's people. There's victory for you today. So understand that shame wants to keep you from walking in the blessing of that freedom, knowing that you can have victory. Number three, shame affects everyone around you. In Joshua chapter 6, verse 2, it says this, or verse 22. It says, but Joshua 
had said to the two men who had spied out the country, go into the harlot's house. And from there, bring out the woman and all that she has as you swore to her. Verse 23, it says, And the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father, her mother, her brothers, and all she had. So they brought out all her relatives and left them outside the camp of Israel. Now watch this. One of the greatest purposes for the enemy to keep you bound in shame is because based on your past, the freedom of people around you is tied up. There are people waiting for you to step into your freedom so they can step into theirs. So the devil says, boy, if I can, if I can really, if, well, if I can tie Jen up with her past, if I could just, if I can just get her to focus on her past mistakes, she will feel inferior and she'll never step into the calling I have for her life. The enemy's job is to devalue what God has valued. And it's high time that we as the church understand that we can speak back to the spirit of shame. You see, in the South, we're raised not to talk back. But there are times in the spirit that you need to talk back. Example. Well, Jen, you're just, you're not qualified. The Bible tells me, and this is what you speak back, that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I was knit together in my mother's womb, that I've been called for such a time as this. Well, but you don't want God to really see everything. Well, he sees it anyway, and he still chooses to love me. Well, if the people at the church, well, guess what? The church is a place of imperfect people serving a perfect God. Listen, you've got to sometimes speak to yourself and speak to that spirit and remind yourself that you have great value in heavenly places. Shame is trying to devalue you so that you don't step into the fullness. And the scariest part for Rahab, had she not hung that scarlet cable, that cord out her window, her mother, father, her brothers, Bible says, and all her relatives would not have been saved. Let me, let me put that in context for you. There is a world that is trying to get free, and they're watching you. Because they say, you know, I, I can't relate to these preachers on TV. I can't relate to these guys. But you know what? I, I, I know Yannick. You know, I know Josh. You know, I, I, I know Sharon. And if they can get free, you know what? I can get free. Revelations says that they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. So the blood was applied. The cable was hung out the window. Check. Check. You want to go see a cool story? Go study the parallel between the Passover and Rahab's window. Where the blood is applied, salvation has begun. But then the other part of the, the conversation 
was the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Outside of those two things, there is no other weapons needed. So the devil says, well, they've received Christ. I can't shut that down. So let me work on this testimony. Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me see if I can shut them up. Let me see if I can lock them down. Let me see if I can get them to put more power in their past than I do in the blood. Let me, let me, let, let me, let me see if I can get them to focus on their failure more than I do their savior. So the guilt begins. The condemnation begins. And I don't know about you, it seems like there's a scripture in the word that says something like, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that believe. Condemnation is the root of shame. Can I tell you, shame can't exist where condemnation's been destroyed. So now we're in a place that we are functioning in our faith, trying to step through shame. We realize it's not just for us. It's for other people that the people around us are watching that we can uh, show them how to get free from the things that we have failed at in the past. And it brings me to point number four. There's a great reward waiting on you. Great reward. So Rahab, living outside the, the tents of the Israelites, knowing she had been obedient, knowing she had applied the red cord. She chose God in a wicked city, in a surrounding that just was never going to accept God. She found him. There was still something in her that said, you're not worthy. So she set up her tent in the peripheral areas of the camp. But somewhere along the way, something happened. You see, what the enemy uses to destroy you, God can use to establish his kingdom. You see, if you begin to study Rahab, you find out that she's mentioned a few times in the Bible. She's mentioned as Rahab the harlot. She's mentioned as Rahab the prostitute. She's mentioned as... Uh, the, the, the lady who brought uh, the spies and hid them. She's mentioned all this, but it's always attached to her failure. But there's one place that her name is mentioned where her failures are not. And it's in the genealogy of Jesus. Watch this. What the enemy had used to devalue her body, God used to usher his kingdom on earth. You see, when you're reading through the genealogy of Christ, several generations before, you see a name completely out of the blue that you'd recognize had you read Joshua chapter 2 and Joshua 6. You see Rahab. Rahab is the great, 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 couple more greats, grandmother, Jesus. She 
she wasn't even a Jew. She was a prostitute. So when all of heaven gets the reunion of Christ together, there's going to be a whore in the house. Come on now. So what does that mean for you? What does that mean for you? Yes, you have failed. Yes, you have deliberately put your foot in the ditch. I get it. There's room in your father's house. There is a place for you amongst the perfect, covered by the blood of Jesus. There's space at your father's table for you. I don't care about your past. I'm more interested in what we do from today. Truth is, is what you have just come through can save countless people. And it generally starts with your family. Hardest ones to reach. But at the end, the reward is for you. Why is that? It's because God's a personal God. And he loves us all equally and individually. And today, I mean, from the time I got on the stage, I felt a quickening like I'm having trouble even teaching you today because I feel a quickening of the Holy Spirit. And the, 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 the truth is this, is that the spirit of shame is very tricky and sneaky. The spirit of shame will sneak in and make you think it's your thoughts. And no matter how good you do, the spirit of shame will continually send you down the slippery slope of self-doubt. And you think it's you, but it's not. It's the spirit. It's the spirit of shame. And it has been sent to buffet you and to prevent you from stepping into the fullness that God has for you. I'll finish with a story. Wendy and I were living in Arkansas at the farm. My parents live on now. And uh, Wendy was working at the University of Arkansas in Little Rock, the medical science hospital. there. And um, uh, leaving two toddlers with dad is a horrible, horrible idea. Horrible, horrible idea. Um, because there is no no, by the way. It's a, as long as mom doesn't find out, it's always a yes, right? It's whatever keeps them quiet and relaxed. We're going to go with the flow. And uh, they had asked for these fudge pops, the frozen fudge pops, which are fantastic. And Maddie was probably four or five, uh, probably four. Gabe was, I think, two. And we were outside, uh, and, and they were sitting in this covered patio area, eating their fudge pops. Uh, and I had opened the door and gone back into the kitchen. I was watching them through a window. And Maddie comes in the door, and she goes, Dad, she goes, I, I, I made a mess. I said, okay. I said, well, come in here. So she came in. I ran some warm water. I got a rag, and I just washed her off. And I said, Where, where's your brother? She goes, uh uh-huh. I said, where's Gabe? He goes, outside. I said, go get him. So I watched this take place. Maddie goes outside. 
to get Gabe, and he has hidden the popsicle stick in the wrapper under the cushion in the seat. He's covered. Should have never been left alone with a fudge pop at two years old. But he's completely just a mess, just a wreck. And she says, Gabe, dad can clean you up. And he says, no, sissy. No, sissy. She said, no, Gabe, come on. Come, 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 Gabe, come, come with me. Dad can, can clean you up. He said, no, sissy. And then he takes uh, her popsicle stick that he found, and he starts hiding that. And I realized he's afraid he's going to get in trouble for being messy. And so I thought, let me just watch this play out for a second. Maddie walked over, and she put her arm around me, and she said, no, Bubba, let's go see Dad. So she began to walk him, and he came into the kitchen. I'll never forget. He comes in the kitchen with his head down like this, just covered. Most precious little boy you've ever seen, just covered in chocolate. And I said, oh, that popsicle was good, wasn't it? He's kind of grinned a little bit. He kind of walked over to me with his head down. I reached down. I lifted his chin up. I said, you're my son. That's just some chocolate. I can handle that. So I took the rag and I began to wash him clean. And little did I know, the Holy Spirit would bring that back to me 10 years later for today. And you see, here's the problem. Is there are people who know they messed up and they take it to the Father and they get it under the blood and they keep moving forward. But then every once in a while, the spirit of shame will hit us. No, I can't go to the Father with this one. This one's too big. This one's just too messy. This one's my own fault. I got to deal with this myself. The spirit of shame goes, that's right. Put it in the ditch. You intentionally messed up. You have done irrevocable damage. So if you take this to God, there's going to be judgment. And then it goes a step further. And by the way, don't share this with anybody. Because boy, if you share this with people, they're going to judge you. If you mess around, you share this problem with people, you will never be looked at the same way. That's actually a true fact. You won't be looked at the same way. You'll be looked at as an overcomer. You'll be looked at as someone who was victorious in the face of adversity. And shame comes to rob you of that reality. So today, I want to pray for two kinds of people. First, I want to pray for the people who haven't hung out their cord. Hadn't made that decision that Christ is the way. You see, because shame just comes with the territory until Jesus gets involved. It's just part of life. You're going to have shame. But when Jesus steps in, he just takes the washing of the water of the word. He just cleans us up. He says, it's okay. And that washing of the water of the word doesn't mean that we're not going to get messy again. It just means that he's faithful to always wash us clean. Right? The second group of people I want to talk to are those you know you've been messy. You know you have failed. You know you have made mistakes. And those mistakes are being held 
they, they literally just kept you held at spiritual gunpoint to where you're afraid to function. You look at yourself in the mirror and you've begun to identify yourself as your past mistake. That's not God's will for your life. He loves you. He wants you to be free. And more than that, he wants everybody to be free. And you might just be the key to somebody else's locks. So I want to pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here, you say, Josh, today's my day. I've been trying it my own way. I've been, I've been doing the whole harlot thing, and it's it's been profitable. It's it's done its thing, but I'm I feel empty and I'm ready to do it God's way. I'm ready to choose God. If you're here and you say, Josh, today's my day. I want to make Christ the Lord and the Savior of my life. If that's you, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this. If that's you, raise your hand. I'm just going to pray for you. God bless you. God bless you. Who else? Who else? God bless you. Come on. Come on. We rebuke the spirit of fear in Jesus' name. Who else? Come on. Come on. Who else? Holy Spirit's moving on your heart. You just feel this fluttering, this, this almost this nervousness in your spirit. That's you. Raise your hands. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. It's between you and God. God bless you. I see you. God bless you. Anybody else? Anybody else? God bless you. Anybody else? Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for the word. Thank you that it gives us clarity about salvation. It says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you're saved. The Lord, by the raising of their hands, by the raising of their hands, they have shown a belief in their heart. They're ready. So Lord, help us now to have faith as we step into the confession. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want everybody in the room, just repeat after me, say, Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the cross. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died on the cross for me, that he laid in the tomb for three days for me, but it didn't stop there. He rose again for me. I receive you now as my Father. Receive me as your child. From this day forward, I choose God's way. Help me to do it God's way. And I'll give you the glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, now listen, stay with me. Stay with me. We took care of the Maddies in the room who run to the Father to get clean. Now I need to talk to the Gabriels who are afraid. I need to address the spirit of shame for a second. Shame is no respecter of persons. You can be saved and still bound. You can be saved and still ashamed. So now that salvation has taken place, we turn our sights on those who just feel a heaviness and they're constantly reminded of their mistakes. If you're here and you'd be honest enough to say, Josh, that's me. I, I feel like I cannot get it right. I'm constantly failing. I'm overwhelmed by my failures. I keep falling into the same sin over and over again. It's to the point where I don't even know why I try. I just, I feel like a failure. 
And I tell you, that is the spirit of shame. That's you. Just, just wave your hand at me. I'm just going to pray for you. Praise God. Praise God. Hands all over the room. Praise God. Praise God. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, spirit of the living God. Move on your children. Holy Spirit, break the chains of shame. Holy Spirit, shake us with your power that the chains of our past might fall off. That those chains that that once only uh, bound us will now become a weapon that we can whip the devil with them. Lord, our past has power. Help us to put it in perspective by the power of the name of Jesus. I rebuke the spirit of fear. I rebuke that spirit of shame. And Father, I pray that by the Holy Spirit, you would begin to backfill the place that shame has been removed from with hope and peace and joy and boldness in the Holy Ghost. Remind your children that they are loved well by their Father. Remind your children that it's for freedom that Christ set us free. And only we can go and be enslaved again and again. But we're free through you. Help us not to pick up the chains of shame. But help us to walk in a freedom today. I ask these things in the name that is above every name. I thank you for freedom. That from this day forward, the spirit of shame will have no place in the hearts of your children. Tear it out by the roots and cast it into the sea of forgetfulness. Thank you for your presence. Oh, I feel the Holy Spirit. I just have about 30 seconds. Just let me have about 30 seconds. Very rare that I get to feel the presence of God like that. I just kind of like to sit in my Father's presence. So good. Father, you are lovely. You are wonderful. You have been better to me than I could ever deserve. I just want to honor you. You are so good. You are just so good. Thank you, Lord, that literally right now in the spirit, shame is being routed by the presence of God. That it will have no foothold in the lives of your people. Thank you, Lord. He that the Son has set free is free indeed. Thank you for your freedom, Father. Thank you for your mighty presence. Every demon shakes in your presence. Thank you. Thank you for your word that sharpens, that rightly divides, that separates the sheep from the goats. Thank you for your word. Father, I thank you the vision of this house. Thank you for loving us. 
Father, before we close, would you bless us and keep us? Be gracious to us. Show us your favor. Make your face shine upon us. And give us peace. Both now and forevermore, cover us with the blood of Jesus. From the top of our head to the soles of our feet, thank you that no weapon formed against us will prosper. Especially not the spirit of shame. Thank you. All have sinned. Fallen short of the glory of God. And you still call us sons of God. I give you praise for that. Bring us back next week. More wisdom. More of your word locked away in our hearts. And we'll give you the praise for it. In Jesus' mighty and powerful name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We love you. Thanks again for joining us today for the Hope City Community Church Podcast. We pray that what you've heard today will bless you until the next time we meet again. We hope you'll join us again soon to be encouraged, inspired, and challenged to experience the real Jesus. Take good care and God bless.